0: The recent 2015 Healthcare Information Security Today survey of 200 healthcare privacy and security leaders found that nearly 80% of organizations think they'd, quote, pass a random HIPAA compliance audit by the Department of Health and Human Services. So are these organizations overconfident in their efforts to safeguard patients' protected health information? I'm Marianne Kobasek-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with David Holtzman, Vice President of Compliance at security consulting firm Synergistec. David will be providing some analysis of our survey's findings about the HIPAA compliance and other security efforts of hospitals, integrated health delivery systems, and physician groups who participated in our survey. Hi, David.
1: Hi, Marianne, and thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. So now, David, as I mentioned just a second ago, the 2015 Healthcare Information Security Today survey found that nearly 80% of health entities are confident that they pass an OCR-HIPAA compliance audit. Yet, at the same time, the survey also found that For instance, only 56% of those organizations apply encryption to mobile devices. And as we know, unencrypted, lost, and stolen mobile devices have been culprits in the majority of large health data breaches that show up on HHS's wall of shame. So with this said, do you think there might be a bit of a disconnect between the steps that organizations are taking to protect patient data and how well they're doing with complying with HIPAA versus what they think they're doing?
1: You know, that's a great point, Marianne. I, uh Certainly the question uh, whether or not encrypting your portable and mobile devices that are handling protected health information, as pointed out in Verizon's breach report in 2014, as they said, it is a no-brainer. And the low pickup rate. Uh, amongst organizations is very concerning and, and sort of a disconnect. But I also like to point out another disconnect that I see concerning how organizations feel their own compliance state is, and, and that they are in good shape. Well, they think they're in good shape because they believe it's the failure to secure PHI is somebody else's problem. For example, two thirds of healthcare organizations have low or no confidence in the security controls that their business associates uh, are maintaining. In other words, the vendors that they have hired to create, maintain, or transmit protected health information and who themselves are subject to the requirements of the HIPAA security rule. These organizations, by and large have not taken a lot of action to ensure or to, or to manage the information security controls that are being put in place by their vendors and contractors. It's almost as if because the security rule or the HIPAA rules don't have a direct responsibility or liability of the covered entity to manage or monitor the compliance of their business associates, they've turned a blind eye, but they're very scared of what they would find if they would just look under that rock. And interestingly, the covered entities who responded uh, say that the biggest threat today that they see is the concerns relating to their business associates being able to secure their information and and to avoid having a breach. And so I think this presents a significant area of concern, not just to the individual organizations who responded to this survey, but sort of an indicator of, of where we're going in the healthcare sector. Another interesting component of of looking at how organizations are scared of the risks that their BAs pose, it, when asked what are they doing to assure that their BAs are treating their information uh, appropriately and safeguarding it, 69% responded that they have updated their BA agreements, but lesser amounts are looking at their own policies and procedures as to how they manage vendors, and a smaller amount are actually taking a granular look or actually interacting with their business associates by looking at their policies or evaluating the risk assessment that the business associate is conducting or even looking at the policies uh, that a business associate has put in place to safeguard the protected health information that belongs to the covered entities. So it's more than a little bit concerning that we have this disconnect. We recognize there's a problem. In our response to the problem is to highlight that it is somebody else's problem, which is concerning. From where I stand, we think the best approach is to look at who your contractors and vendors are, and before you enter into an agreement with them or before you share or or have any of your PHI provided to them, that you take steps to make sure that your vendor has the capability to safeguard your PHI by assuring that they have done uh, the appropriate HIPAA security risk analysis that they have security safeguards in place and and look at your own organization to make sure that you're only sending the amount of or the type of protected health information that is needed for them to con- to carry out the functions or responsibilities that you're having with this contractor or vendor
0: When the HIPAA omnibus breach notification rule went into effect in 2013, organizations needed to institute a, quote, four-factor breach assessment process to determine if incidents are reportable HIPAA breaches. Now, since incorporating that breach assessment process into their organizations, a third of our respondents say that there's been no impact on the number of reportable breaches that their organizations have experienced. However, 15% of the respondents say that they are now experiencing more reportable breaches, and 6% say they are experiencing fewer reported breaches. Nearly 40% say they have experienced no breaches either before or after the HEPA omnibus breach notification rule went into effect. So... What do you think about that 40% of respondents who say that their organizations haven't experienced any breaches either before or after the omnibus rule went into effect? Do you think that some organizations might be underreporting breaches or perhaps they're not even aware that they're having breaches? What do you think might be going on?
1: There was concern at the time that the breach notification rule was modified that it would result in a a substantial increase in the number of breaches because, as you pointed out, the breach notification rule went from the subjective risk of harm assessment to a more objective four-factor assessment to determine the low probability of compromise, along with the, the presumption that an unauthorized use of disclosure was a breach. So it is concerning that 40% of organizations say that they don't have a breach. What what I find just as concerning is that according to this survey, 49% of the the organizations who were reporting had at least one breach in 2014, and 31% of those breaches involved paper records. Now, there's a little disconnect here. So if 40% of the total had no breach in in two years, but 50% had a breach last year, and 60% had a breach the year before, then it seems that there are two extremes here. There are organizations that have perfect best practices, gold-plated, and have never suffered a breach, while the rest of the healthcare sector is leaking like a sieve. And I, I think in future surveys, uh, we'll, uh, we should certainly fine-tune the surveys to focus on how many breaches are, are being suffered at the organizations that have had experienced breaches in 2013 and 2014. When you look at the data that is being developed by the Office for Civil Rights, We've not had a lot of good vision, a lot of transparency on the data that's being reported by organizations that are reporting the small breaches. In other words, the breaches that impact less than 500. What we've had to go on so far is the data uh, that has been published on the wall of shame, if you will, for the breaches, the large breaches, the breaches of 500 and over. And they do get the most attention. So OCR has recently instituted uh, information technology upgrades in their systems, and they, uh, within the last several months, have have developed a new breach reporting portal that uh, requires organizations who are reporting breaches to report the same information for small breaches as they had for large breaches. I anticipate that this will allow OCR to understand and be able to compare and analyze on a more granular basis the specific circumstances involving small breaches and to align them also with the reporting experience of information that's being reported with the large breaches. So hopefully we'll be able to get a better picture of the entire healthcare sector and the experience with breaches that will allow us to organ, to, to understand as an industry where some of the weaknesses lie and where some of the opportunities exist. And by the way, OCR will be able to use this information to learn if organizations have been reporting breaches appropriately because there are tens of thousands of small breaches being reported. And as we see, there are a finite number of large breaches. So I think it portends that next year uh, we'll be able to get some insight as to really whether there are uh, 40% of organizations that have never had a breach and does this mean the rest of the healthcare sector is either over reporting or they have significant compliance problems that should be addressed?
0: Now, David, the survey found that encryption is being applied by about 56% of organizations for mobile devices and also for data in transit, such as data being sent outside an organization through a public network. However, less than half of the organizations say they apply encryption to backup storage media, desktop devices, databases, and servers. Do you think encryption is being underutilized by many healthcare organizations and why?
1: I think encryption is being underutilized by healthcare organizations, but I honestly uh, believe that the questions uh, that were posed in the survey may not provide the, a clear picture of indication of where encryption could best be utilized. For example, as we said earlier, you know, encrypting portable devices, small and mobile devices that are handling protected health information is as much as of a no-brainer as you can get. I think an argument could be made that, encrypting network-based information systems or servers, if you will. That may be not as important or could lead to issues guarding performance. And also, there are other controls that can be put in place that are just as effective as encrypting a a network server. Unfortunately, you cannot make those same claims to portable and and mobile devices because you really can't establish physical protections like a perimeter fence or video monitoring of the use of the mobile device or put significant access controls into place in order to limit both physical access and user access to the mobile or portable devices. So encryption really is the only, the only sure safeguard left to protect those devices. And frankly, if a device is, by its design and by its function, created to fit in one's pocket or to fit under your arm and move from place to place, There is no other tool in the tool belt that is available like encryption to ensure that if you allow information to be stored on a device, is kept confidential and available. Encryption is the only game in town. Not so with the network server where there are other just as protective controls that you can put into place to protect the data.
0: Now, David, HHS has emphasized the importance of doing thorough and timely HIPAA security risk analysis. Our survey found that about three-quarters of organizations have conducted a security risk assessment in 2014, and that's about the same percentage that reported doing that in 2013. So it's possible that risk assessment might be hitting a bit of a plateau for some organizations. Our survey also found that by far the most common result of risk assessment is organizations revising or updating their security policies, but also nearly half of the respondents say that they've implemented new security technologies or revamped security education programs in response to risk assessment findings. So, David, why is risk assessment so important, and where do you find healthcare organizations struggle most when it comes to risk analysis?
1: So risk assessment is fundamental to understanding what is required under the HIPAA security rule, and it's a required component not just for compliance with the HIPAA security rule, but it's required to participate in the Meaningful Use Program. In other words, you can't attest to the Meaningful Use Program unless or you shouldn't attest to the Meaningful Use Program unless you have performed that HIPAA security risk analysis. And looking at the experience that I have seen over the past several years, I think the Meaningful Use Program and its requirements have driven a lot of organizations to perform that risk analysis, largely because of the aggressive audit program that CMS is currently undertaking of eligible providers and hospitals who are attesting to meaningful use. But just as importantly, experience of uh, CMS is showing that 25% of eligible providers are failing their meaningful use audits, and the most significant reason found is that they have not conducted an adequate uh, HIPAA security risk analysis. And I think that really goes to the question here, that organizations may be saying that they're conducting a risk analysis, I think it's now important to begin asking what is the composition or how is your risk analysis comprised. The Office for Civil Rights issued guidance in 2010 calling out the nine steps that were required for a meaningful risk analysis. So I hope in future surveys we have an opportunity to to drill down and ask organizations, when you say you've done a risk analysis, tell us what do you mean? by by what risk analysis that you've conducted. I also noticed that of the organizations who've said that they've conducted a risk analysis, only about half of them say that they're conducting a risk analysis based on the NIST framework. So uh, while there are proprietary frameworks out there and A significant portion said that they had uh, conducted their risk analysis based on a hybrid model or a do-it-yourself set of uh, standards. One, you need to make sure that when you say you're conducting a risk analysis, you're conducting a risk analysis that fulfills the requirements of the HIPAA security Rule and not take a checklist approach or use a framework that doesn't relate back or or have commonality with the HIPAA requirements that are uh, spelled out in the NIST frameworks.
0: One final question, David. Going back to the business associate-related topic, about 36% of organizations that responded to the survey said that they don't use cloud computing. And of those that do, 31% have a high or somewhat high confidence level in the security of those cloud vendors, but 15% have a low or somewhat low confidence level in those cloud providers' policies and procedures. Any sense of what organizations should be worried about when it comes to their cloud computing vendors and what they should be asking?
1: I think that organizations should be asking their cloud computing vendors to provide documentation of the policies and procedures that they follow within their organization to safeguard protected health information and the processes that they use, both the technical and administrative safeguards. They should also be asking for a summary of a risk assessment that was performed and when was it performed and also uh, how often are these risk assessments performed. But they should also be asking if the vendor lays off or uh, utilizes subcontractors to handle or store any of the protected health information that's going to be shared with them. I think it's a significant gap to get information about your prime contractor who's going to be providing your cloud computing services, but be blind to any subcontractor who is going to be utilized by your vendor to share the load or to take on some of the responsibility for your processing or storage capabilities. And so when you don't have that knowledge, you really don't have a clear picture of where information is, who is handling it, and how it's being protected. And lastly, is that information staying within the U.S. or is it being sent offshore? Now, there is no regulatory requirement that prohibits the offshoring of protected health information, but the fact remains. And this was pointed out in an Office of Inspector General report in 2014, that the organizations who are responsible for safeguarding protected health information who enter into these business associate agreements when the data is sent to another country and that they may have difficulty enforcing the requirements of the HIPAA rules or any other a regulatory standard in those other countries. So it's a matter of concern in something that should be more closely scrutinized if you're considering doing business with a cloud computing vendor. Make sure you're doing business with an appropriate vendor.
0: Thank you, David. I've been speaking with David Holtzman. I'm Marianne Kobasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.